Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel, where you will receive the essential tools to take your faith to the next level. I am your host, Brian Ratliff, and I currently pastor Clearbrook Baptist Church in Roanoke, Virginia. Here is the latest message preached from one of our services. Grab your Bible, pen, notepad, and get ready to jumpstart your faith. All right, what's up, guys? It's your boy, Pastor Brian, here. And uh, hey, I'm so pumped to introduce to a, a good friend of mine that we kind of go way back, all the way back to uh, Bible College um, in Knoxville, Tennessee. So what's up, Blake? Hey, not much, man. Thanks for letting me be on this. I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> Absolutely. This is a Blake Young. And so, but Blake, before we dive into it, the reason why we're here today, um, I want to ask you just a few questions to get started. Sure. Uh, the first one is this, would you rather have a lifetime supply of Chipotle or mold. Oh no, you're gonna get me in trouble, dude. <laughs> um, lifetime supply of Chipotle. Thank you. Oh yes. gosh, I thought I was gonna have to like preach a sermon and have an altar call if you no. were to say Moe's. No need for that. I'm saved. Okay. <laughs> yes. So you hear that, everybody? Saved people eat it. Chipotle, amen. and unsaved people eat at most. Amen. I Can agree. I get an amen? You got yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, so I know that, for those who don't know Blake, Blake has really traveled all over the world. So let me ask you this. What is your favorite country that you've ever been to? Oh, Oh, well, I'll tell you what, man. I don't know if I can make one. Okay. I've been to two beautiful countries. Okay, I went share to, both of them. Sure, man. I went to a place called Nepal over in Asia, and then I've been to a place in Colombia, South America, and both places were absolutely amazing, man. I loved them both. So, right yeah. on. <laughs> what were you doing in Nepal? So when we went to Nepal, um, there was a group of seven of us that went out there. And uh, when we went over there, we went to not only start a Bible college, but we went to give Nepali people Bibles in their own language. And we went out there to help churches who were struggling. And we got to uh, meet a lot of people, shared the gospel out there. And... Man, there's just there's a lot of cool stories from out there in Nepal. That's awesome. Yeah. So did you climb Mount Everest too? No, uh, that was several <laughs> hours away, man. I wish I could have, but no, we we didn't get to do that. That's I'm awesome. not that cool. And you said the other one is Colombia. Colombia was the other one. Okay. I got to go out there for a week in 2018 in November. We helped a church planting missionary named Miguel Sanabria with his first church plant. Nice. And God just burdened my heart for it. That's actually where we're going for for the uh, rest of our lives. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a Good little deal. bit. So that's awesome. So yeah, two countries, Nepal, which I've never been to. I've always wanted to go there, and Colombia. So hopefully one day I'll get to get to go to both. Yeah, man. But uh, So let me ask you this. If you could, um, outside of, of the call that God has placed in your life, so, so let's just put that in pause here. Okay. But if you could live in any place in the world for the rest of your life, where Whoa. would it be? Whoa. <laughs> Just right now, this moment. Ouch, man, that's hard. So I was afraid of questions like this. You know what? Just keeping it stateside, if I could live in any state, okay. uh, I would definitely, hands down, outside of God's will for my life, live in Arizona. Arizona? Yep. Why yep. Arizona? I got to go out there for a year. My grandparents <laughs> raised me. But okay. when we went out there, I hated it, man. I did not want to be there. Mm. But at some point, uh, a few months down the road, found a good church. The beauty started growing on me, and I just absolutely loved it. I love wow. the desert. That's cool. Yep. Right on, man. Well, that's sweet. Um, I've been to Arizona, um, cycled all the way through it, actually. Uh, oh. uh, spent a couple of days in Arizona that's on crazy. my bicycle. But yeah, that's cool, man. Um, well, sweet. Hey, I want to share this verse but um, before we kind of get in, involved in, in our episode here. But 
the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, you know, John the Revelator is writing this mm. book that often we are extremely intimidated by. But when, the more I've studied it, the more fascinated I've become. And I came across this verse, which I'm sure you've seen this too, but this is in, in, in the context of of um, Satan and the dr- the great dragon and, and the, the, the saints that were um, fighting up against that warfare. It, it, the Bible says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto the death. And I just really want to just focus in on there how they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb or Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the word of their testimony. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a great power in testimonies, especially sharing how God has moved in our lives. And sure. I believe I believe it brings glory to Him. And so what I'd like to do is uh, I'd like for you to share your testimony of how you came to know Jesus. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind doing that at all, man. Um, I know years before uh, I came along the scene, my mom, when I was about 16 years old, my mom took me to the side in her bedroom and she began to explain to me that she didn't have the easiest life either growing up. And so my mom had had all ears at that point because it never occurred to me how she must have grown up before that day. So she began explaining how she was raised by my grandparents, her mom and her stepdad. Mm-hmm. But she said as a child, she didn't remember there being very many happy days because of all the verbal arguments that took place. Mm. But wow. she said as a child becoming a teenager, those verbal arguments became something much more physical where they would literally fight and pull hair and it wasn't a good home life to be raised in. So what my mom did is she told me that she did something crazy. My mom literally said, Blake, I decided to do something crazy and I didn't just pack up everything I could fit in the one suitcase and run away. My mom moved out to a completely different state where she had dropped out of my grandparents' lives for good. Uh, In fact, a few days later, law enforcement was looking for her and she literally told me that uh, she gave my grandparents one last phone call and she said hey this is where I'm at this is what I've done I can't take it anymore I don't want to be in your lives so never contact me again so she hangs up the phone with my grandparents Wow well a few (laughs) years go down the road Um, she's 18 or 19 she tells me how she meets my dad and you know surprise here I'm a few months later and that was the greatest thing that ever happened to my mom hands down man I was adorable I was exactly (laughs) what my mom needed and so a little bit of time goes by now I'm five or six years old I've got a younger brother I'm still cute as can be but when I'm five or six my mom looks at us and she says all right now boys I want you to pack up everything you've got because you're going to spend the night with grandma and grandpa for a very long time and man I was excited about that because because grandma and grandpa gave us lucky yeah, charms. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was. I was yeah. ready for that move. But I don't remember I don't remember if a couple months went by or just a few weeks. But I do remember when I'm still five or six years old, I walked up to my grandparents and uh, I asked them, Hey, when are we going back to stay with our mom? But they told me something that hurt me at that age because they looked at me and said, Blake, you're not going back to live with her because your mom doesn't love you anymore and she doesn't want to raise you. And I know you know what children are like, right? And I was no different, man. I began beating myself up over that. What's wrong with me? Why aren't I good enough for my mom? Why doesn't she love me anymore? I'd spend a night with her. And uh, she said, Blake, you're staying with your grandparents because they stole you away from me and they don't want me raising you boys anymore. And so I think everyone Hmm. knows what was going on there. Our grandparents wanted us against our mom, uh, vice versa, our mom, us against our grandparents in church. I'll speak for myself here. You know, 
I ended up hating both of them. I hated my grandparents for taking me away from the way things were supposed to be. I hated my mom for not loving me, for not wanting to raise me, but things didn't stop there because about four years go by. I remember at nine years old, my grandma took me to this doctor's office. A month later, uh, the DNA results came back and I met my dad uh, for the first time in my life. And so I've never told my dad what I thought of him when I met him. I don't plan on never telling him. But I remember at nine years old hating my dad after I met him because I began wondering, where were you my whole life? I, I guess you found out I was going to be born. You took off because you didn't want to raise me either. And I hated my dad from the day I met him. But, you know, things go on that way until I'm 15 years old. And when I turned 15, that's when God did something exciting in my life. Uh, mm -hmm. I got taken out of a public school. I was placed in a Christian school, and you probably know what I'm going to say, but I hated that too, man. <laughs> I did not want to be there. You hated everything. Yeah, I did. Every, I was mad, man. All of my friends had both parents in the same house growing up. They made friends easy, read their Bibles, and their lives were together. Probably everything I wanted, but I didn't have it. And so wow. that first chapel message comes along, mm. and our youth director took God's word, and he preached a short sermon from Romans 6.23, mm. and his points were very plain spoken. He said, for the wages of sin is death, mm. and he very plainly told us what the word wages mean. He said that our penalty for mm -hmm. the things that we've done wrong yeah. is that we're going to die, wow. and there's nothing we can do to escape that appointment we have with death. Yeah. But then he said something I'd never forgot. He said, because of our rebellion to a holy God, our, un our unbelief in his son, Jesus Christ, he said, we deserve to die and go to a real place called hell. Mm. But I remember sitting in my pew as soon as he said that. I looked up to the ceiling. I tried my best to talk to God saying, I guess you hate me too now. And I don't know if you know what it's like to cry yourself to sleep out of anger. Mm. That's how angry I was, man, to think my mom, my dad, my grandparents, and now God doesn't even want me. And man, I don't know how God did it the next day. I don't know how when the next day came. I don't know how he broke through the walls I'd set up. I don't know how he got past my barriers. I don't know how he broke through my hatred. But I praise God he knows how to do things like that. Because the next day, I remembered the rest of his message that said, Yes, the wages of sin is death, but mm, the gosh, gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Began yeah. explaining this free gift wow. is offered to everyone. Everyone who would grab it, um, he began saying that his son, God's only begotten son, was born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, mm. died on the cross, rose again from the grave. <laughs> but then he said something I never forgot. He said, oh, and by the way, God loves you. And however mm. God did it, I knew I needed to turn to God and place my faith alone in his son, Jesus Christ. And when he saved me, man, I thought the rest of my life was going to be sunshine and rainbows, man. But I know that there's still trials we go through. But the Bible talks about how there's a transformation that's taken place, that old things are passed away, all things are become new, mm -hmm. we're new creatures, we're yes. born again. That change God made in my life, that hatred I had to my family, that bitterness, God just took that away. And I was able to love them from what I remember being the first time in my life, and I'm glad he did that. Because every member in my family over the last 14 years have professed Christ as their Savior down to my youngest brother who's 12 years old. And so God's done a big work in our family's life, man. Wow. Yeah. Man, what a powerful story. Oh, you know? Praise the Lord. Yeah, praise God. You know, it's just so cool to hear how different people come to meet Jesus yeah. and how God can take a, a tragedy and in His divine sovereign plan turn it into a victory. Uh, and I, that's what we see in your life, man. And there's no doubt God's hand is on you. And so, wow. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul, 
tells us these words in Corinthians chapter 9. He says, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. God had a specific calling on Paul's life. So there's no doubt that God has saved you, and he Mm -hmm. called you to him first. Mm -hmm. But there seems to be, if you ask me, another calling that God has placed on your heart, and that is to take the gospel and share it to as many people as possible. So, uh, of course, we went to Bible college together, and and my favorite memory (laughs) is that one summer we were taking summer classes, and we were in that dorm. It was just us in that huge house, and then the, the... one of the, the one of the staff walks in and says, "Hey, you know, it's costing us more for you guys to stay here than for you to stay here." So they kicked us out. Oh, no. <laughs> were we watching movies then too? And we were, and we were watching a movie. Yeah, it was uh, the I think it was the Luther movie about Martin Luther. And so that movie is so incredible. But anyways, um, yeah. So I felt God's call to ministry um, when I was. 16 or 17. So mm-hmm. why won't you uh, you just share with us how you came into Christ as Savior, but, but share with us how, mm-hmm. how God called you to pursue Bible college and then ministry full-time. Yeah, I don't mind that. Um, I know shortly after God saved me, I knew I was baptized maybe a couple weeks after, and shortly after that, all of a sudden, like if you would have met me when I was a teenager, uh, you would not have liked me. And the reason was because I was so introverted. If you were to ask me my name, I wouldn't even, I would not look at you in your eyes. I would shift away. I would look down at the ground. I'd get mad. I'd harden my face and I would just walk off. Probably not because I was really necessarily mad at everybody, but because I just didn't want to speak. Well, now I'm saved. Now I'm baptized. And all of a sudden, I have this big desire in my heart to just want to start telling people what God did in my life. Mm. And I can't explain that part. Mm-hmm. It's just when he saved me, old things were passed away. And now I walk up to my pastor and I said, uh, 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 stuttering with him, Pastor, I, I, I don't know if I'm too young or not, but I want to... Uh, maybe preach one day. <laughs> yeah, and he said, awesome. "Really? Tell me about that." He said, "Well, when when you're preaching, I I kind of see myself up there, and I, I'm listening to you when you talk." But he said, "I think God might be doing something there. I want you to get a message ready." And we have a watch night service at the end of the year, bring mm-hmm. it to the new year. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want you to preach. Now, I just want you to get a five-minute message ready. Can you do that? I said, yeah. Uh, anything in the Bible? Should I preach something you want? Is that anything that God's touched your heart about that you know? And so I said, okay. So I went home. And the first passage I, I remember, it was funny. The title was hilarious. Now looking back, I was so embarrassed by this. But um, what was the title? Now I'm dying. The title was from Isaiah 14 about Lucifer being cast out of heaven, and the title was Satan's pleasures. And it had nothing oh, to do with that. Yeah. I just thought it was a cool title. And so uh, shortly after that, I preached it. I went 14 minutes um, from all of that uh, for that message. And so after that. I was a little bit embarrassed after I preached. I didn't say everything right. But God just started to increase that burden. Mm-hmm. I started going out on door to door because that was the only ministry I ever yeah, heard of in my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And I began knocking on doors. I began begging God to please let me let me lead someone to him. And I mm. wasn't good at it. I can tell you an hilarious story about the first person I led to the Lord. You would not have let me talk to you that long, but God prepared <laughs> his heart. Uh, answer to my prayer. God saved him. And I just had a small taste for ministry. And I, what happened, I realized 
soon after I was saved that it wasn't right for me to take that love that God gave me and keep it to myself anymore. Mm. And so I, I had to go wow. out and give that. Amen. And then God just started working in my life. Now, the call to missions was long. Um, looking back, God was calling me to missions in 2011. I got to go to England for one year. Mm. Uh, I didn't recognize it at the time, but when I got back from England and came back to the United States, I had this big realization that there's a need for the gospel around the entire world. And I know that sounds like a given, but it just it hit me like, wow, like a ton this of really is for the world. Yeah. And so I had an interest in missions. After that, I got to go to Canada for about five months. Uh, God broke my heart there. I realized, man, I've got to do something. And then I went to Nepal in 2015. Hmm. And after I, I got back that. from Nepal, yeah, it powerful, <laughs> I wish man. I could have went with you. I wanted you to. <laughs> yeah. Could have preached the gospel on Mount Everest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a bunch man. of snow and... Oh, don't tempt me. Yeah, man. Wow. But after I got back from that trip, I knew that God had done a work in my life and a change, and my life would never be the same after that. I, I couldn't see myself here in the States anymore. Um, I started praying. Uh, really, I think sometimes we want to spiritualize a missionary call, and we want to wait for something crazy to happen or like a mighty rushing wind like they had an Acts. But really, if I'm honest with you, God placed a desire in my heart when I was 15 to be in ministry. God allowed me some awesome opportunities to go around the world. And one day I remember praying like, God, I don't know if you can use me, but as a young man in my early 20s, I remember asking God, if, if, you, if you would use me on the mission field, I think that would be the sweetest thing in the world. And one day after Nepal, God had answered that prayer. And it was like he was saying, yeah, I, I would love for you to be a missionary. And I had perfect peace about that. Mm. And when I got back from Colombia, I was praying from Nepal that God would send us back there to do several things. I wanted to start a church, wanted to open up an orphanage. I wanted to do a lot out there. But I had no idea why God never gave peace about that. And I get it now because when I got back from Colombia in 2018 in November, God had broke my heart for a new country for South America after what I had saw out there. And I just, I knew my life was going to be different. God gave perfect peace about church planning in Colombia. And man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to go. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, I that's just, wow. I mean, it's so, you, you've been to so, so many places all over the world, um, all over the United States, all over the world. I mean, it's just amazing what God's doing. And so, um, Obviously, God called you to ministry, but now He's called you and your wife and your family yeah. to go to Columbia. So, so tell me about 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 all that. Tell us about that. Absolutely. Uh, I've been married for two and a half years. Um, I've got a beautiful wife. She's going the same direction as I am. She had a burden for missions even before we met. Mm. She was from a Christian home, uh, saved at a young age, later baptized, and God just gave her a burden for missions. So we met. We have a little one now. Uh, she's four months old today, born yeah. November 7th, 2019. That's awesome. And man. Um, man, she's a lot of fun. And so she doesn't know it yet, but she's going to be a missionary. <laughs> but now as far as Colombian church planning. Um, yeah. So you're, is your your idea of going there and planning a church and then going and planning another one and just continuing that or just planning one church and then overseeing that church? Or is your burden to... 
plant mm-hmm. a church, raise up a national to take that church and move on to the next one. Absolutely. So I'll let you know this. We, we're going to go there for church planting, and we're going to be involved with multiple church planting. I was encouraged by our pastor. He was a missionary in Peru. He pastored three or four churches at one time during one of his terms out there, and that was phenomenal. He had the young men to do it. So our dreams, those, those, those desires that God placed in our life, we want to go and really model that. So when we go, we understand that the first church may be a little bit slower since we're in the learning process, learning a new language, learning the culture. Now we're starting a church in a different place. And so we want to see churches planted all over the city of Medellin, Colombia. Uh, Medellin has six and a half million people when you include its outskirts. And so there's areas like Caldas, Colombia, where there's 80,000 people. And there's a missionary out there that we've become very good friends with. There's only one church, which is his, that's preaching the truth with 80,000 people. So now they've got churches up to 60,000, all the way up to 250,000 churches around the outskirts of Medellin. And there's not one gospel-preaching churches that preaches uh, salvation alone in Christ Jesus in any of those areas. So there's a big need. So when we go... We're going to do everything we can to pray and reach the lost with the gospel. But we want to see national young men trained and to take over these churches and pastor those churches. And one day I want to see them be able to teach others also so that they can continue to uh, make the work go forward. But what our model is going to look like, uh, we'll use indigenous church methods there and we'll stay at one location. Uh, We'll be pastoring that church. We'll be doing what we can to train nationals. And then out of that church, we're going to help them start multiple church plants all at the same time, eventually with the intention of having a national pastor the main church there, uh, without a doubt. Praise God. Wow. You know, as you're sitting here talking, I I am just reminded of of the level of commitment that that you guys have right now. Because, you know, here in America— we say we love Jesus. We say yeah. we follow Him. But I think at the end of the day, Americanized Christianity will say, hey, as long as I can be comfortable, mm-hmm. I'll follow you. Right. As long as I can have my nice air conditioning and heating facility, my nice pew, and just my comfort level Christianity. Yeah. And I think what, what also I'm reminded of is the fact that when God begins to call us here in this culture of America— we will bring up an excuse of why we shouldn't do this. And right. so I'm reminded of this passage in Luke's gospel, chapter number nine. And, and, and three people came up to Jesus and talked about how they will follow him, but they had an excuse. And so the first one says, it came to pass that, that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wherever soever thou goest. He said, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you want me to go. And then Jesus said, hey, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man does not have a place to lay his head. Wow. And so here's this guy who comes and says, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Jesus says, hey, I want you to know I don't have even a, a place to stay. So the next guy comes and he says, Jesus says, follow me. And he says, Lord, suffer me or allow me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. He's, I don't think the passage here is saying, hey, don't have respect for those who are dead. Sure. But, but they're bringing up an excuse to say, hey, I will follow you, Jesus, but let me first take care of this business. And Jesus mm-hmm. is saying, hey, following me and sharing the good news and advancing the gospel is more important than any excuse yeah, we can have. Amen. And then the other guy comes and says, I will follow you, Lord, 
but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at my house. Yeah. He said, I'll follow you, but let me do this first. And then Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And so I'm thankful today that, that, that right now you're not making an excuse well, in man. any of these areas to follow Jesus. And so my question for people listening today is, is what excuse are you using to reject God's calling in your life. Wow. That's something that we can all think about because at the end of the day, we either accept God's calling or we reject God's calling. God is calling. He is calling us daily and He wants us to fulfill that calling. Amen. I agree completely. It was interesting because the first verse you referenced in Revelation, the end of it says, they love not their lives even into the death. death. And that's actually my life verse. No kidding. Yeah, but there's <laughs> there's another verse I wanted you to hear uh, okay. in 2 Corinthians 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. But 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, talking about Jesus, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth from now on live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wow. I don't feel like a hero. I don't feel like we're being brave moving to another country. But I just saw the commitment that God gave to us, even Mm. in 1 John 3.16 that this is how we perceive his love. Mm. And forgive me for paraphrasing, but this is how we know God's love and perceive it, that he died for, for us. us. Yep. And so I just want to follow him and love him with that same commitment. Wow. He's loved me. With. Amen, brother. So I think at the end at the end of this session we have, what our takeaway thought is this. When we commit our lives to Jesus Christ, we are saying wherever, whenever, however, I will follow you. Yeah. And so let's eliminate every excuse to to just follow God's calling. Amen. Um, any parting tips that you want to leave uh, anybody listening? Um, man, that's a great question. Let me think for a minute. First of all, I would say eat more Chipotle. <laughs> Less buzz in your man. life. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, I would just encourage all of you. Um, I know... When I was a young man, I was waiting for, as a teenager, I'm still young, but I was waiting for this awesome call in my life. And I didn't realize that it just comes from a desire. Mm. If God placed a desire, if you have a desire in your heart to do something for God, it's not coming from the devil. It's not coming from another person. Mm. It's coming from God. Follow those dreams and watch what God does with your life because he wants to use you in a big, big way. Amen. So, uh, hey, if anybody who's listening would like to get in contact with you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Email or or Um, what? That's a great question, man. Um, I take texting um, on social media. I've got a website and uh, email is great. What's the website? Sure. The website is uh, colombianinitiative.com. But you got to remember that Colombian is not spelled C-O-L-U. It's spelled with an O. C-O-L-O-M-B-I-A-N. Colombianinitiative.com. Right on. And then what about your email? Email is simple. It's Blake and Bridget at (laughs) gmail.com. Right on. Yep. That's cool, man. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the podcast today, Blake. It's thanks been for a blessing. Me, man. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Amen. Well, hey, guys, until next time, um, be sure to fulfill God's calling each and every day.
Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Faith podcast channel. As a token of my appreciation for you listening today, I would like to give you my free ebook devotional called Jumpstart Your Faith 30 Days to a Renewed Faith in Christ. Just go to www.pastorbrianratliff.com to download it. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast channel to listen to more messages like today's. And if these messages have been helpful to you, please leave a review. If I could be of any help in your spiritual walk, please let me know by emailing me at pastorbrianratliff at yahoo.com. And one last thing, if you're in Roanoke, please consider joining us for one of our worship services at Clearbrook Baptist Church. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you and have a great week.